everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 21, listener spotlight number one for November 18th, 2010. This week, our special guest is Chris, a.k.a. Slip3D in the Tightwad Tech community. Uh, if you've been over on our website or in the forums or maybe in the chat room, you've seen Chris around. He's one of our active members, and he is uh, guinea pig number one for a new feature we're doing on the show called Listener Spotlight. So what we want to do is every so often we'll see how uh, how much interest there is and how it fits into the schedule. Maybe quarterly, maybe monthly, maybe weekly. I don't know. No, weekly. We're a weekly podcast. That yeah, yeah. We already uh, do daily. It, do we can do it daily. Weekly. No, that wouldn't work. <laughs> um, but uh, every every so often we'll do a. Um, a listener uh, spotlight. So we'll pull somebody out of the community. We'll ask them or, or they'll volunteer. And, uh, we ask Chris because this is our first one and, uh, um, and we'll invite them onto the show. We'll interview them and, uh, uh, find out what's going on in their lives and just kind of get a better sense of our fellow tightwads out there. And, um, you know, let's be honest. This is easy programming for Sean and me. We just, we bumped up a template there and we'll just copy that from week to week, uh, every time we do one of these shows. And, uh, we don't actually have to prepare anything. So, so that's a bonus for us. Uh, but um, uh, this will be hopefully uh, the first in a long line of series uh, of listener spotlights. If you want to be uh, one of our listeners who is spotlighted, there are two steps to that process. First, you must be a listener. Well, I think you're probably already there if you're hearing me say that. So step one accomplished. Uh, step two is you got to let us know you want to do that. And so you'll contact us by email at podcast at thetightwadtech.com. Just put uh, listener spotlight in the subject line. Tell us a little about, bit about yourself and, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll go from there. So I think it'll be a pretty cool thing. Yeah, this uh, makes perfect sense. I'm surprised we didn't really think of it earlier. You know, so often we have guests on uh, regarding certain topics and uh, uh, oftentimes teachers and things like that, but we don't really have a place to spotlight uh, the the guys, the tech guys in the trenches. Uh, the fellow tightwads who right, do really, what we do every week. Absolutely. Right. So uh, it really makes sense. And, of course, uh, a lot of you out there uh, are going to have uh, your own little tips and uh, weird things that you do. And, you know, uh, depending on the environment uh, – uh, you know, what we do, it doesn't always work for everybody, obviously. So uh, regardless, you know, what uh, if you come on the show, uh, you're probably going to have something of value for somebody out there. So uh, we encourage you to contact us and uh, we'd love to bring you on. I will mention if you are listening to this uh, podcast through your uh, regular RSS feed on your uh, pod catching device, whatever that might be, um, you are not seeing the full glory that is the Tightwad Tech. You could see Chris live and in technicolor if you were to uh view our live stream at uh, at our website at thetightwadtech.com uh we have six people there right now so six people are officially cooler than you are so uh you know i don't know how hard that is uh uh for some people to overcome but it would be devastating for me if i knew that there were six people in the world cooler than i was uh it would it would be hard for me so uh uh join Mark, in i'm gonna i'm gonna Break it to you. Uh, I think there are probably six. <laughs> oh, just you know, throwing are, it out there. Are there six people geekier than I am? <laughs> now that I'm not well, so sure. I, I don't see a neck beard there, so I think you're all right. Yeah, no, I don't have a neck beard. It's just a goatee. Yeah, yeah. He shaved the beard. Yeah, so, uh, uh, where was? Oh, yes. Uh, we're viewing. We're streaming this live. This is our um, second. 
quote unquote uh, live video feed, and I'll talk about that for just a little bit. Um, last uh, Tuesday evening, this this Tuesday, the the uh, whatever day it was, recently uh, we did uh, a really awesome show with uh, a fellow who uh, has another uh, podcast uh, network, uh, a series of podcasts. Uh, his name is Steve Cherubino of Podnuts. P-O-D-N-U-T-Z dot com. Uh, great stuff. Well, I listened to several of his podcasts. He came on and we did an hour and a half uh, of really engaging uh, audio uh, and video interview about podcasting and about how do we how we do stuff. If you're into this sort of stuff, if you're a podcast geek, uh, it was a great show. It was wonderful. And then just as I started to click save on Audacity, my computer died and it was lost forever. So the half a dozen or so people who were watching in the live stream saw probably the best show we've done yet. Uh, so we're right. going to call that forevermore the missing episode. And, well, we were uh, actually we were up over a dozen, we were well over a dozen. That was that was pretty surprising too. Is how many people we had turned tune in for that show so that was a great thing because it was such a great show and only those people will know about it right. <laughs> they were all steve's people i'm sure so yeah. hopefully we'll get steve on again but uh uh he uh is a busy man uh, uh doing i think eight shows a week or something like that so uh uh we were fortunate to get him at all and to, i when i sent him an email and said uh sorry dude it was all for nothing. Um, uh, he wasn't happy about that and, and <laughs> wasn't exactly jumping at the, the opportunity to sit and do it again. But it really was a great show. Uh, interesting guy. I recommend you uh, check him out again at podnuts, P-O-D-N-U-T-Z uh, dot com. Uh, since then, we have a new uh, computer that we're doing our podcasting on, and hopefully it won't die. And I don't mean the other one just crashed. I mean it died. The hard drive was uh, unresuscitatable. It was a, a big mess. Right. Yeah, it's uh, sitting on a shelf. <laughs> it's now Are there bullet holes machine. in it, too? Uh, there is a d- dent in the side about the size of my foot. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I'm going to move on just to, uh, uh, something that I saw today and it came, uh, ironically came through my Twitter feed, uh, from Twitter and it was about their, uh, uh their new website that uh, I guess they just released today. And, uh, I went and checked it out and it was pretty cool stuff. Uh, it, it was kind of interesting. They've added a lot of uh, functionality there. Uh, there's a details pane. So if you click on uh, individual tweets and that, you get a little bit more information and uh, you can click on the individual usernames in your in your timeline there. And you, rather than getting being taken to their profile, uh, you get a little mini profile that so a lot of things pop up right there in the screen. You can play media now right there through the, the Twitter screen, uh, the Twitter site. So you're not being taken to all these different sources. Um, infinite scroll so you don't have to uh you know what it used to be you'd scroll down so far and get to a certain point and then you'd have to click more and you know if you wanted to go further down so uh a lot of things that really made sense there uh and uh I, I just think it's pretty cool it's well worth mentioning since it just came out today so uh for once we're we're fairly timely uh today as far as the day we're uh, recording this uh so uh definitely check it out uh, i don't know mark what what do you think 
I thought it was a pretty good move on Twitter's part to try and drive traffic back to their site. I'm not a big uh, user of the Twitter website, though I am a big Twitter user. Uh, and I think that's probably true of most Twitter users. They use some client, uh, be it a mobile client on their phone or a desktop client. I'm a big fan of Seismic Desktop on my uh, on my desktop, hence Seismic <laughs> Desktop. Uh, and I use uh, TweetDeck on my phone, which I can't talk about because people will get mad at me. Uh, but... Uh, uh, I never go to the website, so I wouldn't. It might have been weeks uh, before I had noticed the new update uh, to uh, Twitter. So I think it's kind of uh, appropriate that they had to to sort of tweet their own tweet there uh, to to let people know about it. You like that? That's my tweet. new word. Um, sure. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, I think it's a a cool thing, but uh, honestly. I don't see myself using it. It's not going to be a big deal to me uh, because I don't like to use websites as apps, um, you know, and that that might seem a little hypocritical because I'm such a big Google Apps user. But even those I use in uh, like web apps using uh, Prism or Google's uh, uh, Chrome web apps. I treat them like desktop apps. I'm not a big fan of, of living in my browser. Now, Sean, I know is he lives in the browser. He's a right. browser guy. Uh, that's what, what he does. Uh, and so uh, it is more of a big deal to him. Chris, what do you think about it? Well, I was on the beta test for that brand new Twitter feed. Um, and for the while I used it, it was great. The th- um, I was really impressed with how fast it was actually running. Uh, I was always plagued by uh, slow performance on the Twitter webpage. Uh, and, of course, that great fail whale. But... Right. Um, I never had any. I, I like the new issue, but I'm I'm with you, Mark. I really don't use the Twitter desktop, you know, the the Twitter web page very often. But it was nice to get to. I mean, it was a nice, a whole lot better than the old one. Yeah, I I think, and what what you both have said is really where I think it's going to go. Is you know they're trying to drive more traffic to their site because everybody's using these clients to access that content, and uh, I'm not so sure that it's going to work. But it sure is a it's a nice step in the right direction, I guess. So that's that's it on Twitter. Yeah. In the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I have to say. That's right. That's right. Okay, so we'll just move right into our listener spotlight. So we have a listener here, so let's get spotlighting. Uh, Chris, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, I could uh, introduce you in my big radio voice, but I'll just let you do it instead. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, about you uh, professionally first. Uh, we'll go from there. Where do you work? What do you do? How long have you done it? That sort of thing. All right, well, I'm the assistant technology coordinator for the Glendive Public Schools District, which encompasses four schools. Um, it's a lot of computers for just me and my supervisor. Uh, I think we're sitting at around 1200 computers for the four different schools. Yeah, it's a, it's a big undertaking. I've been working with this here at the school district for six years now. Um, been in tech for over 10. Um, pretty much the second I got my fingers on the computer, I've been stuck in it ever since. Um, but yeah, it's just been one of those things where it takes a lot of time to cover all the bases here. I know in the high school alone, we're sitting at right around 900 computers. And uh, uh, what, what's the breakdown of uh, OSs that you've got there? Mainly Windows XP, Windows Vista, Windows 7. Uh, of course, Windows 7 is slowly taking over. <laughs> right. But uh, 
there, there's we're starting to get a few Linux machines here and there for the students to get their fingers on. Um, our back end is mainly Windows machines. We're tr- also starting to fill those out with some Linux servers here and there. Um, this summer we actually played with Unraid as a new file server because our old one was slowly dying a, well, not very slow death. But <laughs> so far my, my little Unraid server is really surprising me. I don't know about Unraid. Tell us about it. It's a, well, it's a file server, and that's all it is. There's almost no operating system, so there's almost no overhead. It runs, the operating system itself runs on a tiny 512 megabyte thumb drive, and then the free version. Sounds like um, FreeNAS. Is it similar? Very similar, actually, yeah. Um, And then, like, the, the free version of Unraid gives you three disks of uh, storage. One is parity, and then you have two that are actual storage sites. Okay. All right, and so you said Linux is starting to pop up on the desktop. Uh, uh, talk about that. What kind of uh, uh, Linux rollout are you doing? And more importantly, I'm interested in what the uh, uptake is on that. What's the uh, uh, overall impression of it? Well, we started using it as a replacement for some of the old dying computers in our lower grades, um, mainly the Edbuntu edition because it has all those educational games that are built onto the disk. Um, we started, we, I think we've put three or four of them out, and the the students and the teachers that have sat down in front of it were very impressed with everything, the fact that it, it booted up in half the time on a third of the hardware requirements was really nice for us so we can keep reusing older hardware that would normally be trash binned or recycled or whatever. Um, yeah, it just really surprised. I was, I was very surprised at how well some of the students picked up on it. Um, these are five, six, seven year old kids that are sitting in front of it going, Hey, I'm, this is fun. I can get this stuff to work and there's no, no pop-ups, no viruses that constantly bring their machines down. Are you uh, running uh, Active Directory there? And if so, do you have it integrated with it? Uh, yes, we are running Active Directory. Um, those machines are not because they're just dumb machines, more or less. There's no Internet on them once they've been installed. So there was no real point in synchronizing with the Active Directory since they're just sitting in a corner... So there's no login, they just sit down and, and play Tux games or whatever? Um, I don't remember the exact suite that it is, but there's actually a, a tracking mechanism built into it. So as they progress through the games, the, these educational games, the teachers can actually increase the difficulty accordingly. Nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, okay, I was so, really impressed with it. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about uh, your background uh you said you've been in uh in tech for 10 years and in education for six um what's your your background did you uh get an mis degree from uh, a prestigious university or are you just a guy who started hacking on these things in his basement and and went from there well that's kind of a funny story um when i was in high school i was i got my hand slapped for uh technically hacking my grades in a typing class. <laughs> we have a um, few of those kids here. <laughs> so yeah, I, I had to, to dodge the whole expulsion thing because of that. Um, and then the next year I became 
a uh, student assistant for the technology department, which I kind of had a nice chuckle about at the time and still do every once in a while. But then I moved off into DeVry Technical and took the wrong tech degree, but uh, learned a whole lot more than I was ever expecting to about integrated circuits. <laughs> a whole lot more. <laughs> but uh, then I started just self-teaching myself you know, basic networking schematics and, and how everything how everything just works together. Um and reading. Lots and lots of reading. Uh O'Reilly is my favorite book series. All right. And it's interesting. I, I sort of have the same uh, kind of philosophy here, and that is uh, you get those kids who show an interest and an aptitude, and almost always they're up to no good, right? They want to circumvent uh, the system or, or make it work for them. Uh, my uh, philosophy always has been don't, uh, don't discourage, but recruit. And uh, we've got a kid right now who... Uh, Currently, his uh, network account is deactivated uh, for a period of time. But uh, when when said suspension is over, I intend to recruit him and say, "Hey, look, you know, uh, join the the rebel resistance, uh, and uh, and we'll uh, uh, we'll rule the universe." To get, no, wait, that's the dark side. But anyway, um, so uh, I I like that that somebody saw that uh, in you, and and that literally set you down a career path from the sound of it. Oh yeah, um, it was one of those things where, like I said, when I, fir- I when my first fingers were touched on a computer way back, and we had punch cards that at the school that I was at, and it was just it totally blew my mind that I could tell something what to do, and it did what I did what I told it to do, um, and it was just it progressed from there, and then when I got to the, like I said the high school level, it was you know the kid mitts came off and. I started reading all sorts of things that I probably shouldn't have and learned a whole lot more stuff that I, I'm glad I did. Well, you know, you could have become the next Theodore Kaczynski and, and instead you're uh, um, uh, using your powers for good instead of evil, and we appreciate that. Um, you said that you have about 4,000 computers that you're responsible for. Is that what you said? No, there's about... Twelve hundred. Um, twelve hundred. Okay. A little, yeah, a little over twelve hundred. Uh, okay, computers. it was four schools. Twelve. So that's yep. where my brain put those two together. So twelve hundred computers, two people. Um, that's uh, that's bigger than we are. We're we're right at about eight hundred for two people. Uh, how spread out are you? Uh, are you uh, uh, those schools in different counties or or uh, miles apart, or are they all in one uh, general vicinity? How does how does that work? Well, the high, my office is located in the high school, so that kind of helps there. And then uh, it's about four school, four re, four regular city blocks to the middle school, and then from it's probably four miles to one of the education, one of the uh, elementary districts, and then I think it's twelve miles to the other elementary district. Wow. Okay, so you're pretty spread out. Uh, is that all on a single WAN? Um, yeah, we, uh, we have a fiber laid between, uh, well, it's not laid between, but it's bouncing through our local co-op for, um, the intranet for all the schools. And then we have one big giant internet pipe that feeds everybody. And, uh, let's talk about the big giant internet pipe. I'm curious, uh, what kind of bandwidth do you have for, uh, 1200 computers? Um, actually, it's not enough in my personal opinion, but it can I'm never a, be um, enough. It's right. never enough. Yeah. yeah. I'm agreeing with that. But, uh, 
Let's see, we get 10 meg down and a meg up is what we're at right now. Oh, and that's wow, considered that's big enough. for us. Yeah, that's not enough wow. at all. Well, we're well, uh, big for up here. We're three times that in synchronous. So, yeah, we're at 30 meg synchronous for uh, about three quarters of the computers and we're killing it. You know, eating it up and, and looking at a, uh, trying to find a better way to do it. But we're lucky here in, in, uh, where we live in East Texas. Uh, there's, uh, a, a real, uh, um, infrastructure there. Um, you know, in the Dallas, the North Dallas area is what they call the technology corridor. It's like, uh, you're swimming in bandwidth down there and we're, Close uh, we're, we're close enough to that that we can yeah. uh, get some good backbone. I mean, we we have a wireless tower that goes straight into the level three uh, level three backbone, so uh, that's pretty awesome that we can get that. But it's I also would pay, I, I would I, I would pay for that type of bandwidth, right? Oh, um, and we do pay for it. We pay a lot for it. But um, what we're doing at our school is we're investing way more in bandwidth than we are in hardware, uh, and we're doing that uh, the tightwad way, right? Using uh, various tools, we extend the life of our hardware as much as possible. And we save that money, and then we use uh, uh, open source software where possible. And then at this point, the biggest bottleneck is bandwidth because um, I don't know about your 1,200 computers, but of our 800, at any one point in time, six to 700 are in use uh, throughout the day. So we have a lot of concurrency uh, uh, going on, and and we're just we're killing that. And I know a lot of schools will boast uh, large numbers. But that will be, you know, uh, all in a couple of labs that get used once or twice a week. Uh, I'm curious what uh, what your school looks like in terms of use of those machines. Well, in the high school, I know that there are um, a lab being used every class period of every day, um, and that at least one lab. And we have what six labs in the high school that are desktop oriented, and another four that are mobile. And then the you know, I know. For a fact that there's four classes alone that are using a lab every period. So, but I know a lot of our the reason we're not able to, or we don't max out our connection so much is we have lots of traffic um, shaping stuff in place. So, uh, like Windows updates, it comes. It not every computer feeds from Microsoft. We actually have a um, US or what is it? WS US right um, Windows system software update server. I think that's what it's called. Something like that, uh, and that cut our bandwidth down in half. Our usage. Now, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, you guys are or are moving to uh, Google Apps. Is that right? We're beta test. Well, we're testing. I can't say beta because I'm a Google Apps user, but um, the school district itself is testing um, their adoption to it. I know there's a, a few of the administrative team that are chomping at the bit because they saw a demo at one of their conferences and they were like, we need to move to this. This is where everyone's going. We need to move to it. Well, uh, so it helps that we have some administrative push behind it. Word of advice there is they're going to need to be uh, prepared to invest in some ban- extra bandwidth uh, because uh, we we moved to that and now we've seen our bandwidth go- usage go through the roof, which is a great thing. But, uh, you know, it seems like the more we buy, they just, uh, like Mark has said several times, it's like a gas. It just fills the void. So any extra bandwidth we get is just immediately consumed, it seems like. Now, I don't blame all of that on Google Apps, um, but what Google Apps is doing is fostering technology use. Uh, because it is such a, a great tool, uh, the, the apps tools themselves are, are very, uh, lightweight, you know, 
Google's all about speed and efficiency. But because they can do so much, we have these students on the computers all the time. And that's, you know, what I was talking about earlier. We, we're really high uh, in saturation of, of active use. And Google Apps has really pushed that. As teachers are getting into it and as students are getting into it, the machines are constantly in use. Um, and so Google Apps isn't necessarily responsible for that, but it is certainly the catalyst for that. And I think that would be the case any, any place where you find a tool as um, pervasive as Google Apps with so much you can do with it. I think people are going to be uh, more prone to, to just go crazy with the computer because say you're doing uh, a research paper, right? You're writing in Google Apps. Well, there's a lot of other uh, side channel stuff that goes with that. You're searching, you're, you're pulling up images, you're doing all that sort of thing. And so while people look at Google and say, well, it doesn't use much, Gmail doesn't necessarily use much, suddenly having your students access to email changes the game entirely. Um, right, or, Gmail or not, right. or, or writing a research paper, and while they're typing, you know, they type one line, and then they, like you said, hop over to do a search, and they pull down this image and that image, and uh, next thing you know, I mean, they're doing a lot of surfing, uh, and it, it can be all legitimate educational use. So, uh, yeah, your bandwidth usage is going to go uh, is going to skyrocket. Have you guys thought about doing any proxies proxying with it, so that way you get some caching? Uh, we do, help we do have a cache down? in, we do have a proxy cache in place, uh, our, we have, and, and we, uh, do that, and we've put, uh, uh, package sniffers on to see what's going on there. You know, you look for protocols. What are some th- things that are out there, uh, using bandwidth? Is there some stuff going out there, some side channel stuff that we're not seeing? And, and you look at our numbers, there's BTIS, which is what you were talking about, uh, Windows updates, uh, background intelligent transfer service, they call it. Yep. Um, and that's, uh, you know, like 30% of our bandwidth, but mostly in off hours. Uh, and then everything else is port 80, just standard web traffic. And uh, I'm not going to say there's not a lot of Pandora and YouTube and not necessarily <laughs> education-related stuff going on there. And I'm pretty sure there's a lot of Flash gaming going out th- on out there. But... I have done some experiments with blocking that sort of stuff and locking it down. And while it does have an effect, it's a negligible. It's a 10, 15% improvement at most. Most of our traffic is legitimate traffic. And it's hard to, to, to tell people you can't keep doing this legitimate thing that you're doing. And so we're, we're sort of moving, even though we have this huge pipe, this 30 megabit synchronous pipe, uh, we're, um, looking at uh putting in some sort of survival mode techniques there and uh it's 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 something we weren't prepared for and we weren't went into it prepared i mean we doubled our bandwidth with the rollout of google apps and that wasn't enough and then we had to add to it again and that wasn't enough and we're out of money now um so now we're looking at long-term solutions to bring in more bandwidth over the next couple of years. But uh, for now, we're just having to manage a finite resource. And I blame Google Apps for that, and it's a good thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's something that we're – that's why I have a small test bed of users that we're playing with already to find out how much the bandwidth is going to jump because we have um, – I think I, I just rolled out 30 to 50 users, and they're all heavy users of of Microsoft Office stuff. So I think that will give us a nice percentage change. I'm hoping at least. I'm uh, I'm curious. Okay, so you've got 30 to 50 users. Uh, how are uh, how are they uh, taking that? How are, how well are they uh, adopting the Google Docs? Well, they just got it. They just got their access um, Thursday. 
Okay. Wednesday, Wednesday over Wednesday and Thursday. So with school not in session for my district today, they really haven't played with it much in district. So I'm waiting to see. I'm hoping I'll hear something by Wednesday of next week or Thursday. Great. And so there's two staff, um, you and your boss, you said. Are there like campus instructional techs or are there campus-level technicians or anything, or is it just the two of you? It's just the two of us. There are a couple of tech-savvy teachers that kind of handle the what-ifs and, and and-ors that they come across day-to-day in their schools, but I'd say 90% of it comes right to us. And uh, are you like us? I like to joke that if electrons run through it, it's our responsibility, be it a VCR or a toaster or uh, a curling iron. It seems to become our that's, problem. That's it. You know, yeah. duties deemed necessary. Uh, I'm curious, uh, what kind of trouble ticket system are you running? Everybody always asks us that, so we uh, we should ask you. <laughs> uh, I wish we had a trouble ticket system. Uh, we're doing just email and phone message. Wow! Wow! That that's... it's a pain. It's a painful thing, but it it's the way the the way the system is, and nobody's willing to change. So. Well, you yet. might have you looked at SpiceWorks at all because it is email driven, and it might be a way that uh, your end users don't see a, a significant difference, but you do. Well, that's something I've got in place. Um, I do have SpiceWorks installed. I've been on the SpiceWorks bandwagon since version one. Um, actually, oh, before wow. version one. Yeah, I love SpiceWorks. Um, I, I, it's just that whole getting people to change their habits is next to impossible some days. Are you uh, are you using SpiceWorks for the inventory side as well? Are you using any of that? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got it running all the time. So here, I, I, I'm curious uh, to ask you this question because it seems to be kind of laggy here, especially as the more our inventory expands, uh, it's gotten laggy. Uh, SpiceWorks, uh, I don't, Mark, you talked to SpiceWorks. I can't remember if it was the community or SpiceWorks themselves, but said that we should be putting those things into groups of no more than 100 uh, which seemed kind of funny to me. It sounds like maybe there's some database management issues going on there. Uh, you seen anything like that? Oh yeah, uh, especially with my the, with the size of my network and scanning over the sub um, everything uh, all the subdomains that I have set up. Yeah, it's it gets really boggy, especially when a scan's running. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you have your your scans, you know, sectioned out so the um, the inventory side of it. If your scans aren't running, it seems to be okay. The help desk, though, even when your scans are running, the help desk seems to be snappy without a problem there. I think it's just the inventory side that gets a little boggy. Yeah, and that's that's where where I've seen it is in the inventory side where it, uh, it and you know not horrible, definitely not worth uh, chucking it. It's it's, uh, it's a really neat product, and uh, I was glad that we got turned on to it. Uh, we've kicked around the idea. We've got a really Spartan but well working trouble ticket system, so it's kind of hard. I've looked at the SpiceWorks one, and I keep wanting to try it out, but uh, it's kind of a hard cliff to to step off. Of. It's an inertia issue. The 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 most dangerous form of of inertia in nature is human inertia and uh you know our teachers are trained on this utility we've beaten into them for years this is how you get a hold of us this is what you do and it's it's really hard to even consider changing that and uh, uh i forget who to attribute the quote to but somebody said if if you're going to enact change the change has to be 10 times better for anybody to consider it even slightly better and uh, we haven't found anything yet 10 times better than what we have 
Well, and that's the problem with help desk systems. That's why we haven't changed the way we are. Um, however much I want the help desk and push for a help desk and beg and plead for the help desk <laughs> in some form, anything, um, they, nobody wants to change. Um, I guess it's just going to end up be, you know, I'm the one that usually runs around with my head cut off going, has this already been taken care of or has this been taken care of? Only to find out that either they solved the problem on their own or my boss went around and, and solved the problem as well or it just all of a sudden disappeared. I've had those, dis, you know, oh, my computer's acting funny. And then I get down there and it's not acting funny anymore. Yeah, so you you got a lot of wasted time there because you're not working out of a traditional help desk then. Yep. All right, so the question I have to ask everybody when they come on the show, how did you find out about the podcast? I saw a link on the Fog Project. Um, they have it up on their website, you know, come see us on Tightwad. And I was like, well, I'll go watch and see because I'm a big podcasting nut. I, I listen to probably five or six a day at least. Um so it was like one of those things is like, oh, these guys are just like me. Uh, maybe I'll learn something. Maybe I can help them learn something. Uh, yeah, it's just been helping ever since. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, uh, since you found us through Fog, are you, uh, you running a Fog server there? Oh, yeah. I've been running a Fog server since 2.5. Okay. Loving we, it, right? We love Fog. Right. Oh, it, changes, it changes your oh, life, right? At least your career. It does. It does. It, 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 my heart hurt when I was first playing with, with Ghost. And then I moved to Fog, and now, now life is peachy again. It's unicorns and puppies and kittens and everything good that, in the world. That's right. It's unicorns puking rainbows. <laughs> there you go. Uh, were you, uh, you said you were using Ghost before, so were you running around like, like I used to do with, uh, with uh, uh, G4L disk, or was it actual image disks that you were having to run around with? We were running around with uh, USB hard drives and boot floppies oh, and, and stuff wow. like that. Been wow. there, done that, <laughs> burned the T-shirt. Yeah, and then well, and then we started getting smarter and in getting into the uh, the ghost console thing, and that made things a little better. But it still it still hurt because you you'd run across you know the the real tech drivers that didn't work in this machine but worked in that machine. So you had to rebuild your, your pixie image for it and it oh and ghost casting like will kill a network. You can oh, yeah. have a ten gig backbone a and it will kill it. We have yep. uh, uh, an an IP phone system uh in ours and and everybody knew when I was ghosting during the summer because they couldn't use the phone. Um, they just, it just stopped working, uh, because the, the, it would just destroy it. I don't have that issue with fog. The, uh, Chuck and Jim built in uh, a lot of, uh, uh, safety protocols there because these, these are people who actually use it. I don't think Symantec has ever used Ghost. I think they build oh, it and sell it, but I don't think they've ever actually used it. Yeah. That, that was one of the things, that was one of the main reasons I was trying to find something different. Watching my network go from fully active and, and running you know, top top notch to you can't even open a browser window or even check your mail anymore. It, it just hurt too bad. And and personally, I didn't like having the payroll clerk coming down banging on my door because she can't touch her remote desktop for payroll anymore. Yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, if you're using Ghost out there and listening, that you're probably not. 
right? Because people who listen to the Taiwan Tech don't use Ghost. Uh, but if you are, stop it. Stop the insanity. What was it? Susan Powder. That was the woman's name. Stop the insanity. Go right now. Pause the podcast. Stop it. Go to fogproject.org. You'll thank me for it. I promise. Oh, a hundred times you'll, you'll be thanking for it. Um, though I have run across a couple laptops that Fog really doesn't partake too well too but that's mostly the older ones, is for right? those that's right use actually no it's a brand new one we just okay. unboxed it we haven't found anything it, new that that hasn't worked with fog just some of the old stuff yeah some of my old uh old laptops and things i've got to and you know i still uh use the fog server as the storage device but uh we use uh, ghost for linux uh cd and i can uh, still have to lay hands on it which uh, can be a pain but i don't have to travel near as far as you do uh, to do that. So, uh, you know, it's a matter of several hundred yards maybe and go and uh, run that disc and get the image dropping down. So, uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I've been using with Clonezilla. I, I've been a big happy with Clonezilla. Yeah, that's a good tool. I've used it, um, uh, and it, it's good, but, uh, uh, we like just for, you know, what it works better for us. The things that fog doesn't work, we used uh, ghost for Linux with. So, uh, tell us what is the coolest thing that you've done uh, either recently or, or just in total. I would say, for me, the coolest thing that I've done professionally was uh, building this new high school that I'm in right now. And we, everybody has some thing, some that they're uh, most proud of. What is your sort of crowning moment thus far in your career? Let's, let's take a moment to brag for our listeners. <laughs> well, I think I already did that with my fog. Um, <laughs> that was changing that system was such a a hill to climb because not only did I have to sell it to you know not only did fog have to sell me on the system but I had to sell my boss who is on that side of the room usually um, on the system and how to show in and, and all that and then teach the students that come in how to use fog and you know I think it was easier to teach the kids that come in to help than it was to my supervisor but after I taught, after I got him on the ban, the bandwagon, I then had to go to our payroll system, or not our payroll, but our purchase clerk, and tell her that we need to cancel the subscription to Symantec, and then get the authority from the superintendent. And yeah, it, it's just a big nightmare to get something changed that big of a changeover. They were happy for it, and I am very happy for it. But uh, that was my biggest one so far. I think the Google Docs might be the next one, though. All right. Yeah. Those are actually two great examples. Uh, so I'm going to jump right in there and ask you, uh, along the same lines, but, uh, in the other direction. So, uh, what would you, what would you like to change the most about your job and what you, the way that you guys do things there or, uh, maybe the way that your position is, uh, uh, you know, you handle your position? I don't know. Be careful. Your boss may listen well, to this. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like I said earlier, I, um, I've begged it and pleaded and, and been on bended knee to get a help desk system. Something so we're not stumbling over each other trying to get the jobs done. Um, that's probably the, the big push for me to get something changed. That or, oh, probably the lack of security for most of the teachers on the teacher's end. Um, there, there are some teachers that have basic dictionary words as passwords or that type of thing, and no one seems to care. Uh, okay, wait. Is it a basic dictionary word, or is it a basic dictionary word written on a post-it note and stuck on the monitor? Well, most of them are on, <laughs> at least underneath the keyboard. 
Oh, well, then you're high security. I don't know what you're complaining about. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can, I can walk up to a teacher's machine and try like one, two, three or ABC or Jesus or, you know, <laughs> or their oh, first yeah. name, you know, or one of their children's first names. And I mean, you're like 95% chance you're going to get it with one of those. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious since we're on the subject, what's your security policy there? How often do you change passwords? Does everybody have a login account what there? What was that, Mark? What was uh, that? You broke out. Oh, what is your security policy there? Uh, does everybody have an account? Uh, how often do you change passwords? What are your password requirements? I'm curious about those sorts of things. Uh, well, everyone has an account. Students uh, as well? Yes, everybody, except for the elementary district. They're the only ones that are, are generic logins. Um, and, of course, the generic logins, um, they're pretty basic, simple. I think one of them is trust. But yeah, they're they're basic. <laughs> but they also don't really have any real permissions either, probably, right? Right, right. Yeah, they're all basic users on the Active Directory, so they have no install rights, no nothing. Yeah, we uh, start our policy was uh, third grade and up. You get a, an account uh, and a password. Uh, but this year, with the introduction of Google Apps, we have uh, individual users all the way down to pre-K. Uh, doing accounts, and that was at that that campus. That was their decision. They wanted those kids to have those resources and uh, and keep up with that. And so I'm sure uh, the teacher probably sets all their passwords to the same thing or whatever. But um, I'm curious what uh, what is your password policy? Uh, is it uh, you know uh, it must be two uppercase and one lowercase and one non-alphanumeric character, and you change it every four days, or 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 is it the other way around that as long as it's at least two characters, you use it forever? It's more along the last one. Um, at least that's the way it's set up currently. If I had my way about it, it would be seven characters or greater, and, and you know the basic idea for passwords. Um, I think currently my logins are twelve or more. And how often do they have to change it? Uh, whenever they decide to. Okay. Uh, at least for them. Um, I change mine every six months. My policy here is uh, we're on a nine-week system. Most schools do a six weeks. We do a nine-week. Um, you have to have at least three characters in your password, and I change it every nine weeks, and you have to come up with at least three in the throughout the year. It remembers the last two. And teachers think I am Satan. Uh, that is just the most <laughs> irresponsible, unreasonable password policy in the world uh, because they have to do the initials of three people in their family instead of just one. Well, and the beauty of it is this this uh, last year we went to a new uh, grade book system. I guess you'd call it school management system, whatever. Uh, it does all the attendance and everything. And uh, that system requires them, I don't know, something crazy like uh, eight characters, both upper and lower case and special characters. Wow. And, uh, right. And now that they they got a taste of that, they're a little bit off of our back now. <laughs> yeah. This is what we could be making you do, people. Um yeah, wow. I, I think I was just complaining the other day that, that my bank, and admittedly online banking is a big deal, but my bank has a one strike in your out policy. You mistype the password one time, they lock your account. Okay. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. Though. Right. And then, uh, they have a series of questions you can ask to get it, your password changed. And it's all case sensitive, space sensitive. So one typo and you're out. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I did that. I, I mistyped it one time. Locked me out. Went to the change the password. Uh, it asked me, you know, what was my high school mascot? I know my high school mascot. There's no question that I got the question wrong. I clearly, you know, didn't have the right 
uh, uh, capitalization or something like that. It locked me out and said, now you have to call the bank. Well, banks are only open like from nine to eight, you know, uh, or nine to nine oh eight every third Thursday or something. Bank, <laughs> banks are never open. Um, that's yeah, horrible. Isn't and, it? and so it, it took me two weeks to get a person who spent three seconds unlocking my account. So there, and, and again, I understand banking is a big deal. Uh, but I know, uh, tech directors at other schools who have policies almost as draconian about school. And so, you know, there's the issue of, of appropriateness. When is it appropriate to have, you know, a super strong Fort Knox, no tolerance policy? You know, if they can get into my account and clean out my entire finances, such as they are, uh, that's a big deal. Um, if they can get in and change Johnny's absence to a tardy, that's not such a big deal. Um, yeah, see, our our logins are like that. We we really don't care too much about the school, the machine logins. Now, the student um, information system, uh, we have our setup where three strikes. If you fail on an administrative grade account, if you fail three times, then you have to come see me. That's just because they're administrative and they can see grades and all that stuff all the way back from when the school system was originally set up. Uh, because of the whole high school and transcripts. So we kind of have them locked down a little tighter than their basic logins. Well, I like that though, right? Because uh, if it does get locked out, uh, you know, if it's them, that's one thing. But if it was not them, then them having to come to you, I mean, makes you both aware that maybe there's a problem there, right? Exactly. And that's why we have at least that system pretty much, it's a little more draconian. Um, the passwords aren't very difficult, but if you are just trying to guess, you would never probably get in. Yeah, my uh, policy for logins is if you miss it three times, it locks you out for half an hour. It stops or it makes brute forcing uh, unpleasant. You know, it's going to take a long time to brute force. Uh, but, uh, you know, I understand there there are times when you have to be secure. I, I think we should do a show on security. It'd be interesting to get a security expert in here and, 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 and then a teacher side by side and let them argue with each other, you know, and, and, um, I think most teachers don't know why it's a bad thing to write your password on a post-it note and stick it on the monitor. Um, you know, one thing I tell them is something just as easy, right? Look down at your keyboard. Now look up. What's the first thing you see? Make that your password. That's, that's really just as good as writing your password on the monitor, right? The first thing you see, like, uh, oh, yeah. wall. That, that's a fine password. Wall. When I look up, I see a wall. Uh, but, uh, you know, you just, you, you have to make some effort because we do have students from time to time who think that they, uh, should get a better grade than they, uh, deserve. And it's crazy because we always catch that, right? There's so many checks along the way. <laughs> so many times it's been printed out. You know, little Johnny who didn't turn in any homework for an entire nine week period made an A. Hmm. Maybe we should go back and double check that, but they always think they can get away with it. Have you guys been using the uh, the user logs for Fog to to track stuff like that down? Uh, to some degree, uh, we use uh, we've mentioned it before a tool called uh, Cornerstone that that wipes out uh, our student computers. So it there are no logs there. Every time it's rebooted, that that goes away. But on our student, uh, excuse me, on our teacher machines, yes, we have used that. In fact. Uh, um, uh, not long ago, one of our teachers called me up and said, look, I, I know I turned my computer off over the weekend. Um, I got here this morning. It was on. Can you tell me who was on it? And I went to the fog log and looked it up and, uh, it was his, uh, daughter, you know, and, and so, uh, uh, in that case, it was uh, a physical security issue. But yeah, we do use that. That's a great, uh, add on feature to fog. 
I was really impressed the first time I opened that up and realized, wow, I can actually tell everything. Because like I said, all of our students, all of our staff all have separate logins. So I can easily tell when someone, you know, uh, we had a principal who came up to one of my uh, um, one of my high school principals came up and said, I need to know where this kid was, you know, if he logged in on any computers. And I just pulled it open and was able to tell him just what he wanted to know and time frame. Right, and that's so, perfect when you see how long they were logged on and and uh, and how many people have logged on with, within a certain amount of period. It's a, it's a great little thing, and that's ancillary, right? It, you don't need that for an imaging tool, but these are guys who work in schools, and, and it was a tool they needed, so they threw it in there. It's a it's a great little thing. We're gonna have to call this the fog the 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 fog. Uh, Tech podcast, yeah, fog of, love instead circle. of Taiwan tech because <laughs> we talk about fog like every second episode or something. Maybe that's, that's why they it's keep such an awesome tool. Yeah, maybe that's why they keep our link up there. Our, our, they've had our link up there now for what about five months or something. We, we get on average two hundred referrals per month from that one link. Um, Doesn't surprise me, right? And uh, I bet if we did a poll of how many of our listeners came from that website, we'd be 70% at least. Right. Um, because, uh, you know, and it's great. And we'll probably have, when that moves down, right, because it's like a blog format, we'll have them on the show again. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so make sure they, can, they put a new entry right there at the top. Yeah. <laughs> Makes sense to me. All right, so Chris, we've you know we we've covered the, a long range here and had you on for a while. I, so I'm gonna ask you one final question, um, and I'll just leave it to you. What what are your parting words? What words of wisdom would you like to leave our listeners? Wow, that's a pretty tough one. Um, <laughs> you heard it here first, of- people. From Chris. <laughs> yeah. A whole blank statement with re awesome. No, I would say, you know, don't be afraid to go try something. Um, you know, that's what virtual machines are for. Try it. If it breaks, fix it. If it doesn't break, you got something you might use. Right. You, I, I interrupted. You said read, right? Read, read. Yeah, read. Um, I read tons of stuff every day. Um, like I said, O'Reilly is my favorite place to be because I have probably 50 or 60 of those different pages from O'Reilly's books all over the place. Right. Um, Henry Winkler, a.k.a. The Fonz in Happy Days, uh, once gave an interview, and I just have a bizarre mind. I remember stupid stuff, and so I remember this. <laughs> I, he, I agree. He once gave an interview, <laughs> and uh, the the person said, if you had one piece of advice uh, for uh, uh, the youth of America, uh, what would it be? And his response was, read. And when the interviewer said, would you care to expand, uh, expand on that, he said, read everything. So yep. you're in good company. I would agree with that. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> Chris is uh, channeling the fawns. All right. That's right. Uh, so, uh, Chris, if you want to stick around, uh, you're welcome to. If you want to say goodbye, I, I don't want to keep you any longer possible. We're going to move on into our tips of the week. Uh, so uh, I'll leave that for you. We can either hang up on you now or uh, you can stick around. I'll hang around for now. Well, um, I uh, I do want to jump in and just say uh, no. I'm sorry. I'm done. Are you I done? have ended. That's it. Uh. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> I said good day, sir. <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Chris did want to send a big thank you to you. Uh, we haven't mentioned, but Chris uh, has. Uh, Really, since he became part of our community, uh, he, he helps us out quite a bit with, uh, remote sound checks and things like that. We've, we've dubbed him, I think, like an associate producer almost. Uh, uh, so, uh, we really appreciate, uh, all the, all of your participation and, uh, uh we want to just throw that out there. 
Yeah, he's Thanks, one of guys. one of a few people that lurks in the chat room throughout the day. Uh, uh, it's often uh, just Chris and I in the chat room. Uh, Sean often can't even be bothered to uh, to log in. He says he's working. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, see some of us have a job. Here, but uh, he claims That's to be working. Horrible four-letter word you just said. <laughs> w what? Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, I, I encourage you to, to join, join in. And it's, and it's been interesting because we've had, uh, uh, questions answered and, you know, hey, I've, I'm having this issue. Can you help out? And, and that's what I, uh, had originally hoped when we set this whole thing up that the Taiwan tech community would be is, is just that a, a, a community. Uh, you said, uh, when, when I asked how you found about us, you said, uh, these are guys who are just like me. And, and that's, if, if there's one message we get across, I hope that's it is that we're guys just like you. And so, uh, you can join in and, uh, and share, uh, the knowledge, and uh, we have a we have a chat room, we have the forums, we have uh, all sorts of ways to to do that, and, and we encourage you to to jump on. And so, uh, Chris, if you want, uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, I'm going to do the tech tip. Sean's going to do the teacher tip. And if you want to do a listener tip, um, maybe you can tell us your favorite podcast or or your favorite utility. So uh, yeah, you you've can, got a few minutes to think about. You can it. research that. And uh, while you're doing that, I'm going to move on to the uh, uh, tech tip of the week. And uh, the tech tip of the week is uh, uh, not nothing new. It's an old tool out there, and, and you geeks out there probably know about it. But I'm going to mention it because uh, every now and then I will mention a tool that I assume everybody knows about, and somebody says, why you been holding out on me? This is amazing. And right. so uh, this is my tool uh, for the week. It's uh, WinSCP. And I'll have the uh, link for that in the show notes. And uh, WinSCP is a very simple tool. If you're uh, a Windows user, and let's face it, most of us are in this business, uh, education and enterprise runs on Windows. Whether we like it or not, it pretty much does. Uh, so... Um, in Linux, it's very common to SSH into a computer or, or uh, use a, a secure connection protocol, SCP, uh, uh, to get into a machine. On the on the Windows side, you find those sorts of tools uh, hard to come by. So if you've got a Linux box that you need to get into um, and you're looking for a way to do it and you don't want to drop to the command line and type SSH, whatever, I know the bandana guy just panicked because the command line <laughs> is his world. Uh, but believe it or not, there are some people who don't like the command line. Um, I'm one of them. I prefer a GUI. Uh, in fact, there was a, a conversation that went on in the... Um Either in the forum or, or show com- comments, I don't remember which, uh, about uh, the GUI, and I said that you know I always put a graphical interface even on my servers because it's a minimal load and it's really handy, and I just like to click stuff. You know, if I can click instead of type, I will. Um, uh, and the uh, the respondent said, I can't believe that I'm more of a tightwad than you are, but you know when it comes to that. Yes, you are. You go right ahead. But anyway, I digress, <laughs> as I do often. Uh, this is uh, WinSCP is an, uh, a secure file transfer uh, uh, client. So FTP, you can use it for any FTP client uh, or uh, the SSH or SCP. You can connect to a Linux server. I'm just throwing letters out. It's just alphabet soup here. Um, but it's a, it's a nice graphical interface. It's a, um, There's two different ways you can do it. You can have a window on one side that's a remote system and a window on the other side that's the local system and drag things back and forth or the way i do it it's just one window the remote system you just drag things from the desktop or to the desktop and it's a great way to, to uh, that's how we do all the stuff for the show uh, i have my hosting provider there and i use when uh, scp and then uh that's how i do everything there 
It's an FTP client. It's a secure FTP client. Lots of uh, FTP clients don't handle secure FTP, um, and uh, SCP does, and it'll also uh, connect you to Linux boxes, which I think is probably its uh, original uh, intent. And uh, if you add to it uh, PuTTY, P-U-T-T-Y, uh, you can get that command uh, interface for times when you need to drop to the shell. And so uh, that's my long-winded tech tip of the week. Uh, and so now, Sean, what do you got for us teachers? Uh, well, uh, before I jump on to teacher tip of the week, I do want to mention that uh, I've got WinSCP on a thumb drive. So uh, just another thing to mention out there that's portable. So that's uh, very nice. Yeah, uh, I think by default it has to be installed, but there is a portable version. So right, yeah. right. Uh, okay, uh, teacher tip of the week uh, is just like kind of like you said about yours, Mark, is uh, one that, you know, we've just used forever. And uh, when I threw it into the show notes, Mark said, we've covered that one right already, right? And I had to look back because I really was second guessing myself too, right? Surely we covered Tux for Kids. Uh, and, uh, what Tux for Kids is, if you're not aware of it out there, uh, I, one, I'll just say I really believe that every school district out there should have this installed on every computer. There's really no reason not to. Uh, Tux for Kids is really a suite of three different, uh, programs. You've got Tux Math, Tux Paint, and Tux Typing. And, uh, you know, you can install all three of these. It's absolutely free. Uh, like a lot of, uh, uh free, so- or unlike a lot of free softwares, I guess I should say, uh, especially one that's been around as long as this one is, it is still being developed. So uh, uh, as a matter of fact, it was part of the Google Summer of Code the last two years. And uh, in 2010, they had six students uh, dedicated to uh, to this suite of tools. So I'm just going to interject here that 10 years ago when I was like 26, 27, 28 years old, somewhere around there, I learned to type using TuxType. Uh, we found it uh, here and we were using it in our labs and I got tired of every middle schooler at my school typing better than I did because I was a left finger, right finger guy and that's how I typed. And using Tux Typing, this, this stupid little game for kids, taught me how to type. Right, and I, I think it's uh, it's worth saying that most of these tools are kind of geared towards the lower grade levels, uh, but Tux Typing in particular is really great uh, across uh, really everybody. I mean, our high school kids love it and ask to use it to play it. Oh, I love it. You know, it's I, I can't tell you you know how many times that I've sat down and I've been waiting on a computer to do something, and I pop up Tux, tux Typing, and it's just it's fun to play, and at the same time you'd be surprised even if uh, like. I learned how to touch type in high school. Uh, I, I'm still shocked at just a couple of rounds of playing tux typing, and I'm I'm typing quicker, and uh, so it's it's good practice, uh, definitely. So uh, check it out. Uh, no reason you should not be using it. Tux for kids, and uh, the, the link for tux for kids is a little bit a uh, little long, so uh, you can get that in the show notes. Uh, and where would those show notes be, Sean? You can find those at thetightwadtech.com. And, of course, uh, I think you can also uh, follow us socially. Isn't that right, Mark? Um, yeah. What's the thing? that There's a book about people's faces. What is that? Yeah. Facebook, yes. <laughs> Facebook.com slash thetightwadtech and twitter.com slash thetightwadtech. Had you been following us on one or both of those, you would know that we're uh, live streaming today and could have been a part of that. And uh, uh, so uh, now that we've vamped long enough, Chris... What is our guest tip of the week? Well, 
I'm a Linux user, and I always need to use some form of VNC or remote desktop. And the best thing, the best client I've ever found is this one called, I don't know how you pronounce it, but I'm, I always say Remy or Remia. I don't know. But it, it handles remote desktop, VNC, SSH, uh, X Windows. Oh, let me look at the list. There's, it's just alphabet soup for what it can handle. Um, the NX client, if you're a no machine client, it does your SF, TP that you were talking about earlier, just tons of utilities. Um, really simple, really fast. The best remote desktop client I've ever seen. And then, if you're new to Linux, check out a website called Category5.tv. It's done by Robbie Ferguson, and he covers everything from how to install Ubuntu Linux all the way to the most detailed P- uh, PHP configing and writing of programs that you can think of. All right, so there's two tips, two tips from our first Spotlight listener. Um, That's why Chris was first. We knew he was going to be he's good. He's an overachiever. <laughs> um, and we mentioned it. Let's, uh, let's just go ahead and uh, I'm going to ask you, you said that you were uh, uh, listening to like eight podcasts a day. Name your top five podcasts on any topic. Well, of course, the first one's got to be Tightwad. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> the check is in the mail. Yes. That's right. Um, besides the Tightwad tech, there's also, like I said, Category 5 TV. Um, that's just a really good one. Uh, even though it, he's really basic for some of the stuff, he, he handles a lot of stuff that I really love. Um, probably Security Now. Nice. Uh, Hack 5. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Let me pull up Miro and I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> That's cheating. Hey, no, it isn't. It's not cheating if no one knows. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, let's see. I got what? Three more to do? No, I think you've got three. You got two more. Two more? All right. Uh, Floss Weekly. Yeah. Really? And you then, like that uh, one? I, I, I used do. to like Floss Weekly. Uh, I enjoyed, uh, John O'Bacon and, and Leo Laporte and, and their patter. Now, um, it's just a boring guy interviewing another boring guy. Right. Minus, and, minus Leo Laporte now. Right. And, and without, unless the content is just really gripping, I can't handle that one anymore. And I, I, I wish I could. I liked, I want to like it because, you know, it's sort of my duty as a, an open source advocate. But, uh, Randall Schwartz is a boring, boring man. He is, but you know, the, it's, it, it, it adds to the, the geek credit, I guess, if you can keep up with him. Um, but it, okay, if you guys want to eject my floss weekly, we can go with, uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. You're allowed to like it. Right. <laughs> we can go with, um, off the hook. I'm not familiar with that one. What is that one about? That one's based off the 2600 magazine. Okay. Don't know oh, about if that either. Ever heard? Twenty six hundred is a hacker quarterly magazine. Ah, um, if you heard of Hope, no, the Hacker on Planet Earth conference that's held in New York. No, uh, you know what, Chris? They, you need to you need to add those into the show notes so we can because I think that'd be good to add to the show notes. Would be uh, our listeners uh, our listeners podcast. Right. We also like have that. a thread yeah. going about uh, favorite podcasts, and uh, I'll put those in yeah, there. That'd be um, great. The other one that I really like is the uh, Ubuntu co- Ubuntu podcast from the UK. I can't okay. remember what else. Um, yeah, I'll put that one. I'll put that in the show notes as well. That one's really fun. Um, it's just uh, I just like the Brit accent, and they're they're kind of comical. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, Chris, you've been uh, a wonderful guest, entertaining and enlightening, and oh so handsome. 
<laughs> oh, well, thank you. Flattery is, is so much your forte, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, thanks for being with us, and thank you for listening. Uh, it, it's been our pleasure to, to uh, do the show. We, we love doing the show. We hope you love listening to the show. Um, and as they always say in uh, customer service, if you don't like it, Tell us. If you do like it, tell everyone. So if you've got a problem or something you don't like or something you think we should do differently or do better, let us know uh, at uh, podcast at the Tightwad Tech. Or if you want to uh, uh, contact us individually, mark at the com or sean at the tightwadtech.com. And, uh, and let us know. And if you like it, tell everyone. Put it on your Twitter feed. Tattoo it on your forehead. Just uh, whatever you uh, want to do to let people know because the more we can have uh, – uh, Active activity in the community, the more um, uh, we can all learn from each other. And so uh, that's uh, the end of my sermonizing for today. And so we thank you for being with us. And for now, this and on behalf of Chris, this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>